Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Good evening, and welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? Episode 46. Welcome to my mind A few days ago, my oldest daughter, Emma, graduated from high school, and it made me think back on her life and how she has changed mine. I remember the day that Nicole and I went to the store to get a pregnancy test. It was a mixed bag of high and low. We wanted children, and the prospect of having our first terrified me. I mean, really, I was 22 years old. She was 23. We we, we brought the uh, pregnancy test home, and it was a positive test. Of course, at which time she said, you can't tell anybody till we see the doctor. We go to the doctor, and we had the official test done. We did that, and it too came back positive. We were going to be parents. And then at the end of the decade, and I mean three days before the end of the decade, Emma joined our family. We did cute things for the grandparents to differing understanding of our hints. We brought the grandma's nookies and wrapped them up real nice, and they got it right away. The grandpas, we brought t-shirts that said Grandpa Rocks. And for the most part, they got it right away, except my dad was already a grandfather, and he thought it was kind of weird we bought him a t-shirt that said that. But once we explained it to him, he's like, oh yeah, I get it. We bought the books, and we read voraciously online about getting ready for baby. To say that all the combined knowledge we read, that none of it was useful? But honestly, none of it was useful. Just as a spoiler alert, it didn't work for number two either. Life goes on as it will, and she worked her way through 4K, and then she was in kindergarten. When did she become five? Not bad enough. Then about halfway through kindergarten, the school came to us and told us they couldn't teach her anymore, and they recommended we move her to first grade. So she did both grades in one year. Now, looking back on this, I would say that if that opportunity were to arise again, knowing what we know now, we wouldn't have done it. But not from a mental standpoint, but from a social standpoint. She she had a lot of issues. It, it was hard for her being so young with the kids in her class, and until middle school, I think she felt kind of awkward and a little like an outsider. Then she was in sixth grade, middle school, and she found some good friends. Then junior high, where she really started to exceed in academics. I think when she was younger, she was probably intimidated by the other kids, and to be smarter and younger may make her even more an outcast. Then high school, 10th grade. I couldn't believe that she was that old already. Then driver's license and more freedom. And then a few days ago, we sat in the gymnasium and watched her walk across the stage and receive her diploma. Wow, where did the time go? I don't feel any older, really, than when she was born, though I do have a few more pounds and a little more gray hair and a little less tolerance for stupidity. I want to take this time to let Emma know how much I love her and how proud I am of her. She leaves in August for UW-Milwaukee, and I know she will excel there like she never excelled anywhere else. She will be amongst equals, and she will be one of the group. I have high hopes for her life to come yet. No matter what career path she chooses, she will shine like a star. She will always be my little Emmy bear, 
Now, I just need to share her with the world. And Mindmare. Alright, so this week we have back with us Nicole Schwalbach. She was here once before and we talked about turkey and maggots. And if that topic interests you, go check out episode 17. It's a tasty topic indeed. So I have no idea what she'll talk about this time, but I'm sure it will be interesting whatever it is. Welcome back, Nicole. Hello. All right, so we have a new segment called Five Questions. Are you ready? Sure. All right, let's jump into five questions. Question number one, and I have found out on my five questions, the hardest question of them all. Ooh. What is your favorite food? I would have to say my favorite food is tacos. Tacos. I love tacos. Tacos are amazing. A multitude of forms, fish tacos, your standard ground meat, make it home with Ortega seasoning tacos. I love them. I love Mexican food in general. Okay. You are probably the second fastest person to answer. I had one guy, I asked him, he said, pizza. (laughs) Like, okay. (laughs) That is a, a glorious food as well. Yes, pizza is. So now, your favorite band or musician? Oh, see, that's tougher for me. I've really never had one band or musician that I've ever just followed and loved no matter what they've done. Okay. So that is a little difficult. I do appreciate David Bowie. Fair enough. I also like Prince. So You and I are on a wavelength there. Yeah, dating myself a little bit, but yeah. (laughs) Well, you're still younger than me. Just remember that. Yeah, it's true, and it's comforting. (laughs) All right, so... What is your occupation? I have two occupations right now. Yes, but being Lou's babysitter is not an occupation. Well, then that would be my third, yes. No. Uh, The ones I get paid for would be, first, I am an instructor at a local community college, North Central Tech, where I teach general biology, anatomy and physiology, those kind of... Turkey and maggots. Yeah, the the health-related sciences. My second position is I am a deputy medical examiner, which plays into the maggots more so. Not so much turkey. Not so much turkey. Uh, And so, yes, I get called out to death scenes where I do investigations and pronounce people dead officially. That, to me, is just one of the creepiest jobs ever. See, and I don't... There is one that ranks higher, though. What's that? Dentist. I would have a problem with dentistry. I have to say, I did go through medical school for a few years before I decided I didn't want to be a doctor, and there are still a few fields that make me squeamish. One is dermatology. Uh, weird rashes creep me out. Oozing pus that... See? That creeps everybody out. Come on, yeah. let's be real. Well, yeah. No, there are people out there that like that stuff, and I just don't understand it. It's like those people that watch the zip-popping videos on YouTube. I can watch those. That's disgusting. I can watch those. Those are okay. It's the weird rashes. I don't... Something about that. Okay. The other one... Second is ophthalmology, eyeballs. Something creeps me out about eyes. And then, yeah, dentistry would be something I could never do. I I can't imagine putting my hands in somebody else's mouth. No. No, and the smells and things that you would see, just no. Yeah, all right. But then again, I do deal with dead bodies. I can't really... uh, It's not for you, but you can't really say anything bad about it. No. All right, so number four, what is your favorite game? Oh, my favorite game. Whether it's, you know, console, whether it's board, whether it's whatever. What's your favorite game? I would say growing up it was Candyland. 
Candyland's Thanks. awesome. It's a classic. Have you played Run for Your Life Candyland? No, I have not. That is a alternate version for adults. <laughs> oh. It, it's, it happens not to be one I own yet. <laughs> what? But you get to run around with Uzis and stuff in Candyland. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, otherwise, I am kind of a classic board game kind of girl, and so I like Yahtzee, which we just played last night. We did. So, we did. Um, yeah, I'm not huge into really hard-thinking games, so give me some dice and a plain little board to fill out, and I'm fine. All right. And finally, what is your favorite entertainment? Podcast, TV, movies. What, what, what do you keep going back to? What is... That one medium. Television. Okay. Yeah, I I mean, this just goes all the way back to elementary school, running off the bus, getting home to watch DuckTales and Tailspin in the afternoons. Oh, yeah. Murder, she wrote, in the evenings with my mother or Golden Girls. And now, even if I'm not watching it, I typically have it on in the background. Uh, when I'm writing lectures or writing case reports, I typically have Criminal Minds from the Ion Network on in the background. Does that help you with your plans? My plan, my my um, no, not plans so much. Maybe it puts me in a great frame of mind. Okay. But uh, but. So you've never taken like what you're watching Criminal Minds, and you're like, that would be an awesome lab thing to put them through. No, unfortunately, they do a lot more mental psychology aspects. The the crime scenes are pretty brief, so. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's like Bones. I can watch Bones after the first ten minutes. <laughs> after they show the bodies? Yeah, get the ushy-gushy stuff gone, and then I'm fine. <laughs> Otherwise, I have Golden Girls on, much to my husband's dismay. Really? I love Golden Girls. He tolerates it for me. Which Which Golden Girl are you? Oh, I would say I'm probably Dorothy, honestly. Um, I enjoy Sophia a lot. Sophia is amazing. Yes. Um, yes. Estelle Getty was amazing as Sophia. And it really amazes me that she was the most terrified of acting. And because the other three ladies were so well-versed and had a great history and experience in acting, she was terrified. She had terrible stage fright. And they did it in front of a live studio audience. And so, from what I understand, she was just petrified. But she was the greatest character, I think. All right. So, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, a little a little backstory of Chad. Okay. When I was in, like, middle school to early high school, I had an enormous crush on B. Arthur. Really? Yes. Awesome. I love B. B. Arthur... I don't know what it was about her. She kind of looks like a dude. So I don't know if I'm, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's just something about her. And I think it was the character more than B. Arthur. Yeah. Even though I've now seen her in, in shows like Maud and some of the old stuff. She's hilarious. She is. She has the best dry sense of humor. She just, like, the one-liners and just the single one-off insults that she had on Golden Girls were just Awesome. Did, did you ever watch, um, oh, oh man, now I'm not going to come up with it. The Archie Bunker Show, um, All in the Family. All in the Family. I've watched some. Did you know that Maud is a spinoff of All in the Family? And Maud is Archie's wife's sister. Did not. 
I only found that out because I've recently bought the series. Okay. Because I found it at a rummage sale for eight bucks for the entire nine seasons. <laughs> and I was watching through it and all of a sudden Maud's there and then they're talking and pretty soon you find out that, you know, uh, it's Edith's sister. Okay. And she hates Archie. Oh, I could totally see so that. So for the two of them with their different types of humor, they play off of each other amazingly. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is where you get to tell us more about yourself if we haven't covered anything yet this is your time tell us a little bit more about you anything you want to tell us oh goodness well i am originally from central iowa i'm not native to wisconsin and and we don't hold that against her hey i am i am devoted to iowa i will always be an iowa girl at heart i go home every august for the iowa state fair now iowa is the hawkeyes right yep okay that's the university of iowa is the iowa hawkeyes and we're known as the hawkeye state uh, Iowa State is the Cyclones, so that makes sense in Iowa. It really does. We, although their mascot is a cardinal, so yeah, right. You know, I could see like that area from Iowa south to like the Panhandle of Texas. Every school's mascot should just be a cyclone, right? <laughs> but then we'd get so confused playing each other. So. Now, I was I was raised in central Iowa, just north of Des Moines in Ankeny, and I'm very similar. I have to Emma. I was an early early into school also, uh, so that's something we have in common. I remember being the youngest in my class, or one of the youngest in my class, but I was also one of the more intelligent of my class, so that was an awkward position to be in. From what my mother told me when I was in when I was in preschool, the preschool teachers pretty much told my mom that I should be in school already. And the school didn't really know how to what to do with that, so they put me through a battery of tests to see what my knowledge base was. And they would show me pictures of, like, machinery, like construction machinery and things. And do you know what a backhoe is? And do you know what this is? And I knew what they were. Hell, I barely know what they are now, but for some reason I knew what they were then. And they agreed that I should be in kindergarten already. And so they booted me in early. I think I started when I was four. And so, yeah, I can understand that being a little out of place. Yeah. She, um, I don't know. It it was weird because they came to us and they said the, 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 it started with the kindergarten teacher. She came to us after two, three months. So I can't teach her anything more. Yeah. You know, and so we went through a battery of tests and she took tests and they interviewed her and they interviewed us and they interviewed, you know, and they decided that, you know, she should at semester time go into first grade. And she thought that was a great idea, you know, because <laughs> a kid, I don't know, whatever. Skipping school levels. Heck yeah. Right. You know, and. Um, we actually had that opportunity with our second daughter and we decided because of the social issues that we were just like, no, you know, um, actually, I don't know if she knows that. Oh, now she does. <laughs> I might have to edit that part out, but no, um, she, you know, it was just one of those things. So we're going to jump into today in history and then we'll come back and we'll talk whatever it is your topic is this time. So today in history, I get all my history facts from www.history.com slash this day in history. June 16th, 1858. Lincoln warns that America is becoming a house divided. 
On this day in 1858, newly nominated senatorial candidate Abraham Lincoln addressed the Illinois Republican Convention in Springfield and warns that the nation faces a crisis that could destroy the Union. Speaking to more than 1,000 delegates in an ominous tone, Lincoln paraphrased a passage from the New Testament, A house divided against itself cannot stand. The issue dividing the nation was slavery's place in the growing western territories and the extent of federal power over individual states' rights. Lincoln declared that only the federal government had the power to end slavery. While the southern states relied on an economy and lifestyle dependent upon the cheap labor provided by African-American slaves, the North opposed slavery on moral grounds. The northern states also considered industrialization and manufacturing the key to America's economic future, not farming. The entrance of new states into the Union, such as Missouri, Kansas, and Nebraska, brought to a head unresolved conflicts over which government entity, state, or federal should make the final decision regarding slavery. For his part, Lincoln firmly believed that slavery was immoral and was wholly incompatible with the principles of the Declaration of Independence, embodied in the phrase, all men are created equal. However, Lincoln prioritized preserving the Union above all else. After Lincoln's speech, several of his friends expressed dismay at its radical content. Leonard Sweat, a lawyer and friend of Lincoln's, later wrote that Lincoln's talk of using federal powers to end slavery was unfortunate and inappropriate. Although Sweat admitted that, in retrospect, Lincoln was ultimately correct, at the time, the people of Illinois ultimately agreed with Sweat. Lincoln lost the close Senate race in 1858 to the more moderate Stephen Douglas, who advocated state sovereignty. Lincoln's eloquent speech, though, earned him national attention, and his strong showing in the polls encouraged the people to back his ultimately successful bid for the presidency in 1860. You know, it's kind of interesting if you look at some parallels between Abraham Lincoln and Barack Obama, Mm -hmm. both senators from Illinois. Both came to prominence after the Republic, or, well, after their, Lincoln after the Republican Barack after the Democratic National Convention, and they both gave, you know, impassioned speeches. And I would think that the two of them probably would agree on a lot of things. I mean, above and beyond slavery. Oh, yeah, that would be the obvious one. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I I agree. All right, so let's move into your topic. Now, the last time I sat across the table from you and I kind of squirmed a lot. Yeah. and, And said gross a lot. Yeah. Yeah, am I am I going to be doing that again this week, or do you got something different this time? No, I think I have something different. Okay, so what are we talking about? What what do you have? Uh, actually, I think it's going to go back to probably what Emma and I faced. I um probably introversion and okay. learning to make friends and doing things that make you uncomfortable. Okay. That is something that I've always had a problem with, and it probably even goes back to when I was younger. And so, and it relates back to how I met you. Uh, I'm not a gamer by any means. I don't play role-playing games. I, I don't go and play board games with people or join activities, but my husband does. And mm-hmm. so... Well, your husband and I are truly introverted as well. Really? You think <laughs> you are? Really? No, not really. No, okay, that's what I... Really? Uh... So, honestly, personal interaction is, well, has always been very difficult for me. I'm technically a single child to my mother. I am the fourth 
and youngest for my dad. Okay. Uh, my, my three older sisters were from his first marriage. They're 14, 11, and nine years older than I am. So I really didn't have siblings growing up so much as I had babysitters that... And authority figures that weren't quite adults. Right. So um, my parents divorced when I was four. Uh, I was raised by my mom. I mean, I saw my dad, don't get me wrong, every Thursday night and every other weekend. Okay. I saw my dad. We took summer vacations. We had a great relationship with him. But um, so, but I was raised in a mobile home park with my mom. Okay. We had our mobile home. My best friend um, was the boy that I met probably the day we moved in. Okay. Um, his name is Robert. And he lived three houses down, and we were, for the most part, inseparable, uh, almost through high school. The problem was there were a lot of other kids in the neighborhood, but Robert was my friend. We were always together. And when we went to kindergarten together, and the next year, my mom apparently waited too long to register me, and that school got full. Okay. They booted me to another elementary school. All right. And so I was forced to meet new people. And I think <sighs> that just, like, set me on this, like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Um, like, riding home on the bus, I'm good. I'll read my book. And that, that being said, I didn't – I played with other kids in the mobile home park. I made other friends. But I was also perfectly okay being by myself. I would come home and watch TV. I would, my mom built me a fort in the backyard. We had pets. We, eh. So it's not so much that you're introverted. It's just you're more social with animals? No. I Yeah, well, yeah. I can always find a friend in an animal. Like, put me in a room with a human and a cat, and I'll go for the cat. Like. (laughs) Except my cat. My cat will bite you. And has. (laughs) That little makes. Uh, yeah, no, I, I do prefer animals, honestly, over people, but it's not that I, my mom tried to keep me away from other kids. She, I was in dance class, a lot of them, unfortunately for them, they had to sit through a lot of recitals. Thank you. I just had my last recital this year. (laughs) My, Emma was in dance for a lot of years and, you know, you like to go to these things. You like to go to the recital. Why? Because your kid's in it. But your kid's in it for like two, three-minute chunks of three, four hours. And the only thing that saves you are these little cute ones, you know? Yeah. They're the, the three-year-olds, four-year-olds. They get out there. They, they can't dance for shit. But they're <laughs> cute and they're funny and they wander around the stage. But it's just things like that that make me sometimes wonder, you know, how much nicer it must be to not be a parent? <laughs> Because then I don't have to go to dance recitals. You know, somebody would go, oh, your niece is having a dance recital. Oh, I'm going to be not there. Exactly. You know? Yeah. You I, can pick and choose the things you want to do. Correct. You your know, time is your own. Your your nephew is going to be playing baseball. Hey, I like baseball. Let's I'll, go watch him. I'll support him. You yeah. know, your niece is going to be playing softball. I'll be there. She's going to dance? No. Yeah, and I did always feel bad for my family because it would be my mom, my dad, my stepmother, my sisters. They would all come to be supportive, but yes, they would have to sit through four hours of other people's children dancing because 
I was in three or four different classes. I was always yep, in... Yep, so they got 15 minutes of you. Jazz, ballet, point, tap. I was in all kinds of crap, and they would have to space them out so mm-hmm. that I could change. And So, yeah, you had to sit through the whole thing. thing to get the was, 15 minutes of Nicole. Then there was always the finale at the end that you had to stay for, so you couldn't cut out early. Uh, yeah, I always kind of felt bad about that, yet I kept signing up. <laughs> so, uh, that did end when I was about 14. Um, but I started doing other things. All right. So you wanted to talk about being introverted is kind of what you wanted to talk about. I am. Now, when you say introverted, explain to me what introverted is. Or not just to me, but everyone. Well, I think there's the classical two minds of that. There's the two groups. There's people that are introverted, which means they are perfectly fine being alone or prefer to be alone. Uh, They find social situations or interacting with other people very uh, anxiety-producing situations. Uh, They prefer activities that are rather solitary or at least small, Uh, whereas extroverts are very people-oriented, very outgoing. They like to be around people. As I consider myself an introvert. It's not that I don't like people. I just find large gatherings to be very anxiety-provoking. But I'm the same way. I love people. There, there's no question about that. I love being around people. But going to, like, concerts or even sporting events are very... I get very anxious about that kind of stuff. See, in a, a large crowds like that, crowds don't bother me. It's not the number of people. It's the odds of having to actually interact with them. In crowds, you know, you're like, hey, you're here. Yeah, good for you. Okay, and that's all you really have to say to these people. Or this is a great concert. Great. Or get the hell out of my way. Whatever. But um, when it's even a group of five people, ten people, where you are going to actually have to interact with those people and have maybe meaningful conversations, that is like, oh, God, oh, God, I don't want, why? (sighs) It's not that I don't like you. I just don't care, honestly. (laughs) I I am perfectly fine being at home. Right. By myself. Uh, And so... I'm not agoraphobic, meaning I can't leave my house where the anxiety just shuts me down. Um, I don't have phobias of other people. I don't have phobias of touching other people. That doesn't have anything to do with it. It's just I find other people very draining. Like, interacting with other people, I need a day afterwards just to mentally, like, gather myself and be okay again. So, you know, like... It's hard for me to understand, you know, that I need, and my wife says this to me all the time, you never need time alone. You never, you always want to be with somebody. And I said, yeah, that's true. And she's not like that. She's, I think she's a lot like you in those kind of situations where she, okay, I did this group thing. Now I need me time. Exactly. And I'm not that way. I don't like being alone because when I'm alone, I start thinking. When I start thinking, I start looking back. When I start looking back, I just want to shoot myself in the face. Oh. You know, it's just, I prefer, I I prefer sound over silence. And I'm just the opposite. I prefer the silence over sound. 
I think it's all fair enough. Um, and I think that even plays into my profession choices. I know as an instructor... Well, you're working with dead people, and they're not going to talk back to you. They're not going to talk back to you. That's exactly <laughs> right. Um, as a medical examiner, the most anxiety-provoking part of my job is having to talk to the family and well, be intimate with people uh, and actually talk to people. You are absolutely correct. That dead person on the floor, they don't have a word to say to me. I have... I mean, they might make sounds, but it's... What? Yeah. There are sounds that are sometimes produced uh, as you move bodies and air in the lungs starts to escape. It kind of makes a moaning sound. Oh. <laughs> if there's some sort of chest trauma, it's called crepitus. It sounds like Rice Krispies under the chest. Yeah. Oh, am I grossing you out yet? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we'll go back to people that are alive. Um. But it's the interacting with the families and talking with them that just that part of my job, I just like freeze on. Well, wouldn't you think that would be more, I mean, that would be hard no matter if you're an outgoing person or not to tell somebody that a loved one is dead. Yeah, and that's true. It's it's very difficult. And you have to ask them very personal questions about their loved ones. What were their habits? What were they doing? Do you know of any drug use? I mean, those are awkward questions. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they're so overrun with grief, they don't even know how to answer. Um, so, yeah, it is an awkward situation for anybody. But for somebody that's more introverted and doesn't like to talk to people in a good mood, talking to people in a bad mood or in a bad situation is that much more difficult. See, now, and, and it's also hard for me to understand this because from the time I've met you, you've always been... I guess the word would be open. You know, you, you're willing to talk. You're willing to sit and have fun and that kind of stuff. Now, is that a struggle for you every time we get together? Um, I'm not antisocial, so I'm not anti-people. But, yeah, even coming in after this, like tonight, and then we're going to game after this even, where there's going to be other people in this room. Tomorrow, I'm just going to want to be by myself. Seriously. Okay. And my husband is fine because he, he plays video games, so... He won't even really talk to me. Yeah. Uh, okay. He won't even know that you want to be indoors. No, no, he, whatever. Um, but so no, like even tomorrow, I'm going to just need a day to recharge before we go golfing or we go do something else. That's like, on Sunday. Right? That's on Sunday. So it's. And that's going to be a bigger group because there's going to be seven of us golfing. Yeah. And so it's just even, it's one of those, oh God. And does okay. it make it easier if you know the people you're getting together with? It does. Especially when you know their expectation for conversation or what activities you're going to do. When you're walking into an unknown situation, it's just absolutely terrifying. Uh, and this goes back to the first time I met you and the group gaming. That was just absolutely terrifying to me. Um, and I remember that. You you spent some time, you were pretty quiet in your corner, asking <laughs> minimal questions, doing minimal things. But over time now, you get to the point where you're like, hey, I'm doing this. Or, are you guys fucking stupid? You're doing that? <laughs> yeah, because I know you guys. Um but I'm not also going to ever be the loudest person in the group. I'm, so, yeah, once I know people, No, that would be me. That will always... Well, not always you. Not always you. There are other people that are much more draining to me <laughs> than others in the group. But 
Yeah, once I get to know people, it becomes easier to be like, okay, I can do this and go out. Now, um, let me ask you this. You have agreed to go with my wife to a, uh, I guess it's called a... Uh, like a hobbyist weekend? A yeah, a crafting, weekend. a crafting weekend. Where you're going to know exactly two people. Yes. So, what is the anxiety leading up to something like that going to be? Oh, that's going to be huge. Because... I don't know them, and I don't know what we're going to be doing. Now, your wife has kind of described to me as kind of whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a stitch and bitch, if you would, where you just do whatever you Whatever love. craft you're working on, just do it. Do it, and you talk. But it's going to be the talking part that's probably just going to drive me up a wall. Because I'm really not into pointless conversation. I'm not a person that has friends that I just call and just talk to on the phone. You know, I don't do that either, though. But that has a lot to do with these little things. Cell phones? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, because it's so easy now to say, you know, instead of calling you to say, hey, Nicole, you know, you want to do this, I can go tick, 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 send it off to you, and you can answer when you know the answer or you have time or... Yes. Texting is a godsend uh, because it is straight and to the point. But you also kind of have it, a lot of people have the image of women having best friends that they're always calling and talking with. And if they're not talking to them, they're going out on girls' nights or they're going out shopping or they're always doing these things in groups. Freaking shoot me. Like, no. I, no. The only person I talk to for any great periods of time is my mother. <laughs> and that's only every few days. So I'm more like my dad, I think. We, we have something to say. We say it. And we're over, and that's good enough for us. Yeah. And so, yeah, the the anxiety of doing new things and meeting new people is pretty high. And like I said, meeting you guys for gaming the first time was just terrifying. And once I got to know everybody, I knew what their personalities were like. I wasn't I wasn't afraid of meeting new people, but I think it's just getting in there and then that interaction that just right. oh my god. But then I need a day to recover. So, and then even I've had people question me, how can you teach then? Yeah, uh, that was actually one of my questions. <laughs> the thing about teaching is that it's really not a back and forth. It's really a one one direction conversation. Well, until they start asking questions. Yeah, they don't dare. No, it's okay. I... Uh, I encourage my students to ask questions, honestly, and I'd rather they do it in front of the class so I can address it for everyone. Um, I have talked in front of groups of five. I have talked in groups of 500. I do not have a problem with giving lectures. Actually, getting up in front of people is cool. I'm okay with it. It's the one-on-one -on -one personal interactions that just give me the most anxiety. And So how would you feel... Now, I've done this for most of my life from about the time I was in middle school, however you old you are then, 10, 12, whatever you are, yeah. up until a few years ago, I did stage performance. I did acting. I did musicals, shows, whatever. Is that something you could do? Again, I did dance in right. the past, but... But if well, I was to say to you, I was to say to you, Nicole... I'm 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 putting on a play. I'm gonna direct a play. Okay. Yep. I've done that before. I'm gonna direct a play and there's a role in this play that is you. Yes. It's perfect for you. Yes. What would your response be? Now this is hypothetical, so 
I would probably, I would do it. Because as a friend and you have something and you think it would fit me, I would probably do it. I would be terrified at first, but I think that everybody goes into a stage performance terrified at first because it's the performance aspect. Um, when you're a teacher, you know more than everybody else in the room does. So as long as you can fake it, that's <laughs> all you need. Have and you ever run across a student that, like, was close to your knowledge base? Yeah, they try. But no. Okay. No, I haven't. Um, I've had a pe- I've had a few students try to push me and try to test me. And that's fine. If they feel the need to do that, that's their problem, not mine. Um, but I really don't try to engage with them. But no, usually they're in my class for a reason. They're not going to pay to take a class where they already know everything. No, that's a good point. Right? That's a good point. Right? Well, so, unless you need it to get that sheet of paper. It's true. But... Most of the time, they let you try to test out now, and if those those know it alls, if they're given the opportunity, they'll do that. Okay. So, um, so I've had a few people try to kind of test my knowledge base, and as a professor, the one thing you can say is, off the top of my head, I don't remember. Let me get back to you. Boom, yeah, that, you're out of that situation. That was pretty much. Now I taught religion for six years. Thankfully, I am done doing it, <laughs> mostly because I hate kids. I know that sounds horrible because I have to, but the older I get, the less I want to deal with... It's other people's children. Yes. Yes! So, uh, but that was one of the things when the director the director of religious ed would say to us, if you don't know an answer, just tell the kids, I don't know, but I will find out for you. Exactly. And then come to me. And I did that a few times throughout the years. You know, they'd ask a question, I'd be like, like... The, the the thing I, I, I dreaded, I taught fifth grade for three years. Mm-hmm. Now, fifth grade is where they start teaching about heaven and who goes to heaven, and who, you know, and there, there's a hell and there's purgatory and all this stuff. Oh, sure. So, of course, the first year I'm doing this, some kid raises his hand and he goes, will my dog go to heaven? I have no idea. I mean, Disney tells us all dogs go to heaven. Of course they do. But when you dig into the Catholic religion... They don't. They do not. Because because animals are not intelligent beings per se. Therefore, they don't have a soul. Therefore, there's no soul to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I said, I don't know, but let me ask and we'll find out, right? So, and I go to the DR and he's like, well, you know, according to this, that, and the next thing, they don't. I'm like, so you want me to go back and tell a 12-year-old kid that Fido's not going to heaven? Yep. So that was always the hardest thing because for three years that question came up every year. You know, will my cat, will my dog, will my horse, you know, go to heaven? And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Officially, I have to say no and break your heart. Yeah, exactly. But the thing about it is then the year that I went, I stopped teaching fifth grade and I went and I started teaching first grade because I thought, you know, little kids, little kids are sponges. They want to learn. Wrong. But anyway, that year that I made that change. Yes. The Pope came out and said about animals going to heaven. He said, well, it's, it's, it's tricky. But if you, when you die, since heaven is what you need heaven to be. And if you need to have your dog there, then God can make the call and your dog will be in heaven. Oh, I like this Pope. But that was a year too late. Uh, you've already <laughs> broken all these other children's arms. Right. So then. I went and I taught first grade for a year. I made it through somehow. It was 
talking about a trial. And, and the, the, the thing was, is I wanted to learn if I could be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And the answer at grade school and high school level, no. Yes. So then I taught two years of 10th grade, figuring they're on their way out. They're going to sit there, be quiet, not, you know. No, they, they never shut up. We could not get them to stop talking. <laughs> so, you know, it's just one of those things. But so, but introverts, they tend to be, um, you know, kind of into, and this is going to sound wrong, but into themselves. They don't want to be around other people. And now there's a difference between being shy, though, and being introverted. Yeah, there is. I, I Because I am shy. Believe it or not, I am. In new no. yes, in new situations, I am very shy. Okay. Um but all it takes is me either getting up the gumption to say something mm-hmm. or somebody talking to me. And then that 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 ice is broken. Mm-hmm. And then I'm I'm the guy you know. Yeah. And I think I am both. I but I think introversion is more that you find social situations and other people to be mentally exhausting and you need the recharge to where you're by yourself you may find it anxiety provoking and it may be because you're shy um you don't have to be shy to be an introvert but it's um but i find it i need the recharge i have to be away from people for just a little bit in order to prepare myself for the next interactions and and I am also very shy, so it doesn't help. <laughs> so there's but, a there's a comedian. Um, have you ever heard of the comedian Timbador? Yeah. Okay, he does the his his big thing is the animal conspiracy. Oh yeah. But he used to live in L.A. Mm-hmm. And then he moved to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And his his uh his catchphrase because I listened to him on the Bob and Tom show. He used to be on there a lot, not so much anymore, but he used to be on there a lot. Yeah, I love Bob and Tom. And they would be talking, and at the end of his little animal conspiracy thing, he'd say, you know, this is Tim Bedore from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where the introverts look at their feet and the extroverts look at your feet. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. And, yeah, introverts and extroverts. And honestly, I think I'm almost, I would almost be better suited for large city living. Because then you're lost in the crowd. Exactly. Interactions, you, yes, you are around more people. But you, but actually, people interact less. Yeah, it's one of those things. But I think someone like like your husband or myself in a big city situation, that would be bad for people like us because we're kind of. And I'm not. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but a lot of people know me, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of a a bigger fish in a small pond, mm-hmm. per se. Yep. And I don't think I would do well as a small fish in a big pond. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I totally know what you mean. And I, I, yeah, probably, my husband would probably feel the same way. It's, uh, yeah, see, and I am perfectly okay with being the lonely little fish, just do our thing. Right. But you know, it's it's weird because you go to, you go to any gaming event in town. Mm -hmm. You go to any of the game stores in town. You say my name, I guarantee somebody in there is going to know who I am. Yeah. You know, um, but. On the same thing, you know, it's like, that's my small pond, though. It's not so much the city. It's that that niche. Yeah. And that makes me happy because people <laughs> know who I am. Now, I know that sounds like I'm really conceited, but I'm not. It's just. You it's enjoy my... your pond. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to go to somebody else's pond 
And then, like, everybody else is in charge. Yeah, and whereas you are the fish that is perfectly happy swimming around his pond and interacting with all the other fish, I would probably be the fish floating around on the bottom, just chilling on my own. I'll come up and interact when I want to, and then just leave me alone. You would just float upside down at the top so everybody would leave you alone. Just leave me alone. Yes, I might smell a little, but no. It's... (laughs) No, it's... That's that's always been difficult, and it's like I said, it's not prevented me from doing activities. Well, uh, obviously, I mean. And so, I mean, even in high school, like I said, I was in dance, but then I stopped dance because I was part of Color Guard. Yes, I was with the band. I was in Color Guard, so I was, you know, performing. Wow, of I was a nerd in high school, but you were really a nerd. Super nerd. Yeah. I was in honor society, and I was in a biology club, and instead of learning Spanish or French, which were the only two languages they offered at our school, I decided I wanted to do something different and harder. So I took German, and which required me to drive to downtown Des Moines every morning and fight traffic. But you know what? That gave me time by myself every day, that I wasn't around my classmates. So do you speak German now? No. <laughs> That's nine! That's nine! I do not really. Um, I have to admit, I... I took the equivalent of four years of high school German in two years, and towards the end, I took a class trip to Germany for two weeks. My German got worse in Germany. Well, they speak a lot of English in they Germany. They just spoke English to me. Rather, They would figure out really early on that we were not from Germany, and they would just switch to English, and so, okay. Well, my daughter, Emma, went to Germany last year, and we had it was an exchange program, so her exchange partner came to America and mm-hmm. spent, um, I don't know, two weeks with us, two and a half weeks with us, something like that. And she was great, but she spoke really good English. I was expecting a more broken English. No, no. And there was only a few words that we'd, you know, trip her up on. And sometimes we would say a word and she'd be like, oh, like, how, how can you say that? And then you explain that there's alternate meanings to said word. And then she's like, oh... But other than that, you know, like, I learned a small phrase of German to welcome her to the house kind of thing. Okay. And I said it to her, and she laughed at me. And <laughs> because I had mispronounced two of the words, and I said something completely different. Oh, uh, you probably cussed her out. No, I didn't cuss her out, but it was just one of those things, you know. And she came to America, and she really had an understanding of the language. And then I find out, Emma tells me that in, like, third or fourth grade, everybody in Germany starts learning English. Mm-hmm. And because I, it's the international trade language. Correct. And I actually stayed with a, we spent a week with a family and a week traveling. And the week that I was with a family, they had a daughter about the same age as I was. And she loved everything about America and wanted to speak English and want to marry an American. And she wanted to come to America. And so she wanted to practice her English and American American English right, with right. me. And so that's all she ever wanted to speak. Yeah, that was the one thing I did notice. They didn't seem to learn American. They learned English. Proper English. Yes. Yes. Yeah, not American English. Now, her parents spoke no English, and they made absolutely no effort to speak any English, but they also didn't make any effort to interact with me. It was a very odd week. The The daughter had actually left high school early to go become begin a trade uh, training program where she was going to be a travel agent. Of course, she wanted to do travel, Makes travel sense. in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but so she had actually left high school, so she had to go to her training every day. 
Now, the father had recently quit his job to open his own business, so he was in the midst of opening a business and starting a business, which is a crap ton of work. Yep. Been there, done that. Right? So the mother had picked up extra shifts at work to cover the now lost second income. So you got to wander around Germany by yourself? Literally, no. They wouldn't let me leave the house because they were afraid I was going to get lost. So I sat in a bedroom for a week by myself. Calling my mother and crying over the phone. Oh it was the God. most miserable week of my life. I was going to say that had to be horrible. It was terrible. What what city were you in? Karlsruhe, uh, nearby. Karlsruhe. It's uh, southwestern Germany. Okay, when Emma went, she went to the largest city in Germany. She went to Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf. And she's like, nobody leaves their neighborhood. Yeah, I we were actually in a kind of a smaller suburb near Karlsruhe, and... Literally, I was I would have to walk. So how lost could I get? I they wouldn't let me leave the house. <laughs> it was pretty traumatizing, actually. I was so glad when that week was over and I got to join my classmates and we went and did our tours. But uh, even that, so meeting those people was terrifying. It was really anxiety provoking for me, and then it ended up being awful. So that just made it that much more worse. And um, yeah, it was actually kind of weird because Emma, the exchange student came here first. So we had Melina here first. And Melina loved America, mm-hmm. loved hanging out here. And she was like, she's she's kind of built like Molly is. Okay. She's like, we're going to dye Molly's hair black and send her back home and I'm staying in America. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, it was almost it was almost a year later that Emma got to go to Germany. And so she went to Germany, and, you know, through that, we had talked to Melina's parents through, like, Facebook and that kind of stuff. And sure. Now, it was it was actually kind of neat. A while ago, she was, her parents were on vacation, and they were, like, going all over Europe, you know, and she was putting up pictures, and I was like, oh, that's a cool picture and that kind of stuff. And at one point, she goes, anytime you and your wife want to come to Germany, you can stay with us. And I'm like, I want to go to Germany. <laughs> I want to go now. <laughs> Yeah, I, and, actually, I just want to go to Europe, because they have so much vacation compared to what we have. Oh, yeah, they do. And they have so many more social projects, um, as far as, you know, taking care of people, and, like, Germany, you can go to college, almost any college in Germany, for free. For free. Yeah, it's... They have a lot of good social programs right. over there. Yes, they do. And I think they're far advanced in some aspects than we are over the, here. Well, the way they, they, they deal with medicine and even that kind of stuff, because mm-hmm. they're like, here's medicine. You need medicine? Take medicine. Take it, please. Get better. Right. And they In get, America, they're like, you need medicine? Here, take medicine. Oh, you don't have any money? No medicine for you. No medicine for you. And we're going to give you more vacation because it's good for mental health. Right. To be away from work. And and then I've oh, been at my job 13 years and I get two weeks. Yep. And that's not going to change. Ever. 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 All right. Ever. I think this is probably a good place to call it. All righty. So next week, I'm going to bring back a uh, another Nicole or Nikki, whatever you want to call her. Uh, Nikki Tiemann's coming back. She was on an episode called The Family Tree, and we talked about, uh, you know, doing research for your family line, that kind of stuff, and I can't think of what it's called. Genealogy. Thank you. You could have said that louder. Sorry. Genealogy? That's the stuff. All right. But I, I don't know what she's going to talk about this time. I, do, I think we only got through, like, half the book she had here last time, so maybe we're going to do Genealogy Part 2. Cool. I don't know, but 
Uh, it was actually my first episode that went over an hour. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. So Just just to butt in here, Lou, actually, my husband did the Ancestry.com DNA okay. test, and he got his results yesterday, found out I thought I was married to a German, and I'm married to mostly a big old Polak. He is Polish, most like 77% Polish. That explains so much. Right. You would think he'd look better in red, but he doesn't. <laughs> No, kidding. He looks good in every color. Okay. Um, but, yeah. So, Polish, German. I won't tell him that you ruined uh, his surprise. Because I'm sure he's going to want to talk about it tonight. Oh, he'll talk about it no matter what. That's true. All right. So, ever wonder to yourself, how do I let this guy know how much I like and or hate his podcast? Or think to yourself, man, I'd love to be a guest on his podcast. I have a great idea for a topic. Well, you're in luck. There are actually three ways for you to reach out to me. First, send me an email at whosepodcastisit at gmail.com and leave me a message. Or if you're more into the social media stuff, you can find me in two places on Facebook, at POI Network or at Whose Podcast Is It Anyway. Either way, I look forward to hearing from you. And now, like every week, we're going to wrap up with Quote of the Day. So today's quote is short and to the point. Don't fight forces, use them. Uh, Richard Buckminster Bucky Fuller was an American architect, systems theorist, author, designer, and inventor. Fuller published more than 30 books, coining or popularizing terms such as Spaceship Earth and Synergetic. He also developed numerous inventions, many are mainly architectural designs, and popularized the widely known geodesic dome. Carbon molecules known as fullerins were later named by scientists for their structural and mathematical resemblance to geodesic spheres. So, any last words before we take off? Yeah, don't die when I'm on shift. That would, that would be great. All right. And for everybody out there, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.